0: Father, we thank you for Peter. We thank you for all he is to you and for all he does for you. And we thank you, Lord, for the gifts of wisdom and knowledge you have given him. So we pray, Lord, now that your spirit will come and anoint him, that he will be your vessel in this place and that through him and through his wrestling and work for us, we will know more of you and your ways and glorify you again in this place. In your precious name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we're on uh, number five in this series from Isaiah chapter 2. And uh, we're looking together. I've got the PowerPoint Yep. Isaiah, as you heard in that reading, is announcing the coming of the Messiah, the Anointed One. And that is baptism. Jesus, John the Baptist recognizes, because the Lord had told him, that the one on whom you see the Spirit rests, links back to this passage in Isaiah, the one on whom you see the Spirit rests, he is the anointed one, the Messiah. And Jesus, in his ministry, demonstrated the gifts that we've been reading about in Isaiah 11. And there's a clue for us as to their importance. Notice in the reading, it's the spirit of the Lord that's given. The spirit of Yahweh. God's very presence coming upon the Messiah, the anointed one, to lead him in his ministry to share the good news with us. And the important thing about realizing that as it's a gift, then I can't earn it. I can't be proud that I've got them. But I can rejoice that God gives them. I can open my heart to receive all that God's got for me. And I can fulfill in my life through his power what God wants to do through me. So I hope you'll be encouraged by what we look at today and by what we've looked at in previous weeks. So our text is the Spirit of of knowledge. How are we to understand knowledge? What is it? What's being referred to here? Well, there are two clues. The first one is something technical called Hebrew parallelism. I'll give you some examples so you know what that's about in just a moment. And also the context of the whole passage, which is why I wanted the whole passage read, not just verse two. So the first one is Hebrew parallelism. You need to recognize that in Scripture, there is, particularly in the poetic sections, parallelism. Here's an example. I just opened my Bible at random in a psalm. That's where you find them most often. Uh, and pick this one, because it was just there. It's not particularly special. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous works among all peoples. Do you want to know what all peoples are? Well, it's nations. Or do you know what is intended by nations, it's all people. It's parallel phrasing so that the Old Testament text often acts as its own vocabulary and dictionary for us. Here's another one with two of them in it. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord, let's make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. So, joyful noise, it means involve singing, and you can do it loudly. All right, and... Uh, uh, again, the Lord, Yahweh, who is he? Well, he's the rock of our salvation. So those are two or, three, or f- three examples of Hebrew parallelism. So when we come, therefore, to our reading in Isaiah, if we want to understand knowledge, we'll have to see it here. And that's why it's probably been difficult and I've not been able to listen to the sermons of the previous ones and Jean's doing next the next one, the sixth and I'm doing the seventh which will be fun because I'll, well, I'll tell you when you get to there, you can wait for that one. But there's parallelism here which is why it's probably quite difficult to know what's the difference between wisdom and understanding or between wisdom and counsel or between counsel and knowledge because counsel is knowing things, you know, you're know, you counseled to know things better. They're all interconnected, and this is a classic example in scripture of parallelism in the way they write. And so, <laughs> it's probably been quite hard, and if you look at any readings on the sevenfold gifts of the spirit, you'll find people making difficult decisions as to which belongs to which. Well, cheer up the writer didn't intend you to worry about the differences between them. He wanted to see the connections so that you understand that if you've got counsel, you can then have might or courage to do what you've been counseled with. If you've got the spirit of wisdom, then you've got understanding of situations. And when you've got the spirit of knowledge, you'll know how to conduct yourself in the fear of the Lord or piety, as it's sometimes translated. The second clue is in the context of the whole passage. And we heard how the poor would have justice dealt with by the Messiah. We heard how dangerous animals, the lion, will lie down with the cow. The child will play over the hole of a poisonous snake, but not be harmed. This is God's long-term plan for creation and individuals. Not just human beings, but the whole of creation. That's his plan, that's his understanding. And so that clue is that one day the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. A lovely picture, isn't it? Because most of the earth is covered by sea. So just, we've got a chance. They didn't in those days have a chance of looking at the globe from outer space. But we can. And that glorious blue that's seen from space is an example of how much God is going to restore creation. So our knowledge this time is in the context, therefore, that this is God's plan. The Messiah is to come and do these things, but he's intending something further to happen to creation and to individuals. And so we come to our key point. Knowledge is therefore not about information or facts, it's about knowing God and knowing how to live your life directed by God's wisdom, counsel, and knowledge. So that's the key point about this particular one of knowledge. Information about God isn't enough. Obviously, because I go to France quite a lot with Michelle and uh, so on, I'm very familiar with the fact that in French, there are two words for knowledge, savoir, in which we get the English savoir-faire, you know, know how to do things, and connaître, to know somebody. The connaître one is always used in a relational sense, I know somebody. I uh, know a lot about the queen, but I don't know her personally. So I've got savoir, I've got facts and knowledge about her, but I do not connaître, je ne connais pas la reine. I don't know the queen. So understand the difference between knowledge which is merely information and knowledge which is relational, knowing a person and their heart. So our key point is knowledge of God. This is the gift of the Spirit, giving us knowledge of God and knowledge that we belong to Him and knowledge that we're in a relationship with Him and knowing how to live your life the way He wants us to for His long-term purpose of restoring creation entirely. This is the God you and I need to know through the Messiah Jesus. We've just sung a song which refers to the Messiah, our King, our Saviour. And if you turn to him, Jesus promised, didn't he, you will receive the gift of the Spirit who will enable you to know God in the sense that Isaiah was referring to to this knowledge, this knowing him. We find this in John chapter 16. Jesus teaches us. So here's a gift of knowledge being explained to us by the Messiah himself, who Isaiah says would be given this spirit of knowledge. When the spirit of truth comes, it's very hard to discern truth, isn't it? There's a real issue today of how do you distinguish fake news from the real stuff. It is very hard. Many of us you know, are embarrassed when we're conned by a con artist or defrauded of money through the internet, so easily done. But they're convincing. But here Jesus is saying when the spirit of truth comes, you can rely on what is there as truth. He will not speak on his own, but he'll speak whatever he hears and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Ah, again pointing to that future, that future plan of God to fulfill. And he will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So everything about God is actually revealed by him. We're not following a philosophy where we've thought things through and thought it's logical that there must be a God and you couldn't logically deduce that God was necessarily good. But we know that from Scripture. And one big comparison, for example, from between the Quran, so Muslim experts tell me, is the Quran never speaks of God being love. But our Scriptures repeatedly speak of God being love. And define what that love is. It's sacrificial love. It's love for the other, and for care, and for justice. So the spirit of truth, God uses his spirit to reveal to us these truths that we couldn't know just by thinking it through in a philosophical sense. But this gift of the spirit enabling us to know God is crucially linked to that phrase, the fear of the Lord. And that's the parallel between knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. But I don't want to tread on uh, Gene's territory for next time but in John's letter we read this now by this we may be sure that we know him how if we obey his commandments so whoever says I have come to know him but does not obey his commandments is a liar and such a person in the truth does not exist but whoever obeys his word truly in this person the love of God has reached perfection By this we may be sure that we are in him or know him. Whoever says I abide in him or I know him ought to walk just as he walked. This gift of knowledge is to give us knowledge about what is right and what is wrong and therefore to obey his commands. And his commands are instructions, they're not commands, heavy duty stuff. Love your neighbor's a tough one to follow through in life But it's not a dreadful command. It's a wonderful command. Because in it you will have peace and your neighbor will be blessed. And even if they still continue to revile revile you, you are doing the way Jesus would have done. And thereby, you will know that you know him because you're following the counsel to take the other verse from our sevenfold gifts I love the way the Hebrew and Greek scriptures, our Old Testament and our New Testament, talk about walking with him. It's a very powerful picture that's used repeatedly in scripture. We walk with him. It's not though God says, okay, I've given you my instructions, I'll go back to my throne, you get on with it. Following a rule book. <laughs> it's not like that. We walk with him. We walk a journey with him. And he accompanies us. And the picture, therefore, of the children of Israel leaving Egypt, separated from their bondage in slavery, rescued, and then traveling with God and his presence going with them. We walk with God. It's a lovely picture. Allow it to do. Uh, It's a relationship that develops through travel, through the experiences of life. And the older you get, you're still learning those experiences and finding that fellowship walking with him goes on I love the story of the two Clopas and probably his wife walking seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus they don't know who they're speaking to they don't realize the presence that's with them the risen Jesus Christ but we read in this story don't we at the end when he was at table with them Jesus took bread blessed it broke it and gave it to them then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, "Where are our hearts burning within us while, we were, while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? Luke is saying, come on, when you open the scriptures, God will be there speaking by his spirit to you and opening your heart to stuff. But I love the word recognize because cognitive means to do with knowledge, isn't it? They knew finally who it was who was walking with them. Prior to that, they didn't. But it shows that it's God who opened their eyes. And if you sitting here today know Jesus Christ and have come to know him, you can thank God that he opened your heart and eyes and ears to receive him. It's God's gift. It's the spirit of knowledge is part of that process. Let me illustrate the difference between knowledge, knowing lots of stuff. You can be a theologian in an academic university and very famous for it, full of intelligence, but not necessarily know God. A chap called Dwight Pryor who died about two years ago, who I met a number of times, and has really been a mentor through his teaching stuff, uh, both on the internet and through CDs. Dwight Pryor was a person who loved academic life, and he'd done several degrees in philosophy, got special distinctions for it. He was for seven years the president of a well-known USA New Age organization, totally secular in his outlook at that period in his life. And then he meets some very ordinary Christians in a very small Pentecostal church and goes there and meets Jesus. And that encounter with Jesus transforms his whole vision He'd got it all worked out, being an expert in philosophy, academic philosophy, and a leader in it. And he so much wants to know this Jesus that he decides, I've got to go to Israel and study the context of Jesus in his Jewish background. And Dwight Pryor becomes the founder of the Jerusalem School of Synoptic Research, which involved Jewish non-Christian experts in academic work, on the times of Jesus, the Second Temple period, and others, Christians, working with them, studying the context of Jesus. And as a result of that study, a whole body of knowledge has emerged and been reinforced by not just him and those few in that particular school of thought, but many others. And it's coming out now in Tom Wright's writings and so on, the culmination of years of research of that period in, Judaic history, and the Roman Empire. There is a man who had all the knowledge in the world, but when he received that knowledge of Jesus Christ and came to Christ, God continued to use his intellectual skills and all that knowledge that he could gain to glorify God and to deepen our knowledge of the Messiah. So recognize that gifts you have with the spirit of knowledge coming upon you can extend them and touch and use them, your native skills and gifts that you've got. So the challenge is, do we really, truly know God? John's Gospel understands this difference in writing. And in the opening prologue, we'll read this. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to, into, into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. No spirit of knowledge there for the world. What, we'll I'll define that in a moment. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Those in the world, John uses as a technical term, the world is those who don't know God. God loves the world. The world isn't a nasty thing, It's, it's in this passage, it's the world is just those who do not know God. We're told by Jesus, I want you not to be of this world, in other words, not in the group that don't know me, but you must remain in the world and continue in the world like I am in the world at this particular moment when he was praying for them. And so here we have a clear example again that this is a power from God. So Isaiah 11 verse 2, the spirit of Yahweh will give a spirit of knowledge in the particular case we're looking at today and this knowledge we realize here in John's gospel is Jesus gives that power to us to know him so do we open our hearts to that gift of knowledge so the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord comes as an offer to us here's the crunch do we know god Well, partially, of course. (laughs) We've got so much more to discover, haven't we, about him? But partially enough to get on. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And it's in turning to Jesus, the Saviour, and receiving the Spirit of God, this gift of the indwelling presence of God, that we are given the gift of knowledge of God and the gift of knowledge how to conduct ourselves in this world. So you can open your heart again today. Receive more. We sometimes talk about fresh anointings, don't we? The Spirit of God anoints us, and we can receive that again. And secondly, another bit of the crunch is, since he's got a plan revealed for the restoration of the whole creation so that lions no longer eat cows and animals and people, but lie down in peace, this juxtaposition of dangerous and known will be harmed, that's God's plan for creation. We've got a job to do. And God gives us through Scripture that knowledge to look after his creation, to be serious about issues of justice, as Adele referred to those earlier on. Are we serious about, say, for example, the increase in anti-Semitism, not just in Parliament and in Parliamentary parties, but in our workplaces? Do we combat it? Are we concerned about the distress and difficulties caused with government changes in social welfare, cash, and so on, and the difficulties that people have in gaining necessary support and the safety net from the state, from our taxes that we pay? Are we concerned about those people who maybe don't have the rights as workers that they should have? I know from employment law and employing people for parish work that we had to give them statutory holiday pay. And we added it to our contracts for church workers some years ago when it became clear that that was being introduced. One of the problems for those who work for Uber and Amazon deliveries and so on is that they don't get statutory holiday pay. They just get paid for every job they do. And that's not the spirit of the law of our country. And therefore there's campaigns, as you know, to look at those situations and it's been in the press. Ecology, recycling, do we take the effort to look up? Because it's not, God isn't just saving us to go to heaven. He's saving us for his purpose of the whole creation being well. It's interesting that Church made a comment some years ago, the Archbishop of Canterbury being one of the most vocal, got a bit embarrassing when it was discovered that the Church Commissioners invested in loan shark companies. But as soon as they discovered that they had it, they disinvested. But that complaint about the exorbitant interest rates for people who could not afford to repay them and then got into a cycle of debt that was ever worse well, there's some results from that. Because yet again, the fifth company in that category has now closed to business. Because they can't exploit anymore. These things need to be done to fund. And what about our Brexit debates and the hate mail that people are getting? Here God instructs us to, with the spirit of knowledge, how to respond to those situations. Therefore, actually, to disagree with the other people, to make your point about whether you're for leave or for remain, but to do so in a gracious way and not increase the heat. There's the challenge for us. It's a gift. So let's receive it the gift of knowledge about really knowing God you can develop that gift you can open your heart to it today would you be open to the spirit as we sit here now as I come to a close to receive that spirit of knowledge to help you to know how to really know him Knowledge on how to live God's directed life. Receive that wisdom, that counsel, that might, that courage, or that understanding. They're all gifts in chapter 11 of Isaiah. So that, one day, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let's remain seated as we hear a song and take this opportunity to let God's Spirit rest upon you. That you might be given that gift of knowledge that helps you to live this week.